بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله وسلم وبارك على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين رب شرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل العقدة من لساني يفقه قولي اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا وزدنا علما In our last lesson talking about the life and times of the great Khalifa Abu Bakr al-Siddiq radiyallahu anhu we mentioned that after he took command of the Muslim Ummah, after he became the Khalifa of the Prophet ﷺ, one of the first item actions was to send the army of Usama ibn Zayd to fight the Byzantines. And that was an army that was prepared by the Prophet ﷺ actually shortly before the passing away of the Prophet ﷺ. But the army didn't go out yet by the time the Prophet ﷺ passed away. So that was one of the first things that Abu Bakr wanted to do. To fulfill that command of the Prophet ﷺ and send Usama ibn Zayd and his army to go and fight the Byzantines towards Asham. And when Abu Bakr an sent this army under the instructions of what the Prophet had commanded, Medina was basically left without an army. And some of the companions, they had advised Abu Bakr that, okay, let's leave this matter for now. Let the army stay in Medina until the situation can become stabilized. And then we can send the army of Usama later. But Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, he refused this. He said, no, this was an instruction of the Prophet sallallahu to send out this army. So I'm going to send out this army. So this was the, the firmness that Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu had in following the instructions of the Prophet sallallahu No matter what the situation was. This was something that the Prophet sallallahu himself had prepared and commanded. So I'm not going to. I'm not going to make my own decisions regarding this. This was the decision of the Prophet ﷺ and my job is just to fulfill the decision of the Prophet ﷺ. So even though the situation of the Ummah became very unstable after the death of the Prophet ﷺ, the majority of the Arabian Peninsula actually had apostatized from Islam. So the situation was very unstable. Abu Bakr still he said no matter what the situation is, I'm going to fulfill the order of the Prophet ﷺ and send the army of Usama. So he sent the army of Usama to fight against the soldiers of the Byzantine Empire in Asham, in what is modern-day Jordan, that area. So now Medina was basically left without an army and the situation of, of the Arabian Peninsula is very unstable because of the apostasy of the majority of the Arabian Peninsula. After the passing away of the Prophet ﷺ, most of the Arabian Peninsula, all of these tribes that had entered Islam, now they left Islam. And only three cities remained firm upon Islam. Medina, of course, which was the center of Islam. And Mecca, alhamdulillah, even though they were late to accept Islam, they remained firm upon Islam. And At-Ta'if. So these were the three cities that remained firm upon Islam. But the rest of the Arabian Peninsula, the other tribes, they abandoned Islam after the death of the Prophet ﷺ and they apostatized. So you can see Abu Bakr an, the new Khalifa, he has a lot on his plate here. Imagine the situation that Abu Bakr an 
has to handle. The majority of the Arabian Peninsula has left Islam. Medina, the army of Medina has been sent off on an expedition and Abu Bakr عن, has to handle all of these affairs. So it's a very difficult situation for Abu Bakr عن, He really has a lot on his plate. Now regarding the apostasy of the tribes of the Arabian Peninsula, there were three categories of apostates. Three different types of apostates. One category of apostates, they just left Islam and they went back to the way they were before Islam. After the death of the Prophet ﷺ, they said, okay, Islam is finished for us. We will just go back to how we were. So this is one category of apostates. The second category of apostates were those who said with their tongue that we are still Muslim. We believe la ilaha illallah Muhammadur Rasulullah. But from now on, we are not going to pay zakat anymore. Zakat is not obligatory upon us anymore. Zakat was only paid to Muhammad ﷺ and it's not going to be paid by us anymore. So this is also a form of apostasy to deny something that is an obligation in Islam that is a well-known and well-established obligation in Islam from the Quran and the Sunnah. There is no denying the obligation of zakat. But these people, they denied a clear obligation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and they said they're not going to do it. This is a type of kufr as well. Even if they say la ilaha illallah Muhammadur Rasulullah but they deny something from the Quran then they are not believers. So this was this was one of the categories of apostates as well. People who said they were still Muslim with their tongues, but they said we're not going to pay zakat anymore. And the third category of apostates were those who followed the false prophets that emerged. And there were a number of false prophets that emerged after the passing away of the Prophet ﷺ. Some of those false prophets actually emerged during the lifetime of the Prophet ﷺ himself, even before the Prophet ﷺ passed away, there were a few false claimants to prophethood that announced falsely that they were prophets. And we spoke a little bit about Musaylima al-Kadhab. He was from the tribe of Banu Hanifa in the land of Yamama. He was one of the false claimants to prophethood and he actually claimed prophethood during the lifetime of the Prophet Muhammad and his tribe, the tribe of Banu Hanifa, it was a huge tribe, very big tribe in Yamama. Also one of the claimants, one of the false claimants to prophethood during the lifetime of the Prophet was a man named Al-Aswad Al-Unsi and Al-Aswad Al-Unsi, he actually died during the lifetime of the Prophet ﷺ as well. So he claimed, he falsely claimed prophethood during the lifetime of the Prophet ﷺ, but he also was killed during the lifetime of the Prophet ﷺ. So these two, Musaylima and Al-Aswad, they claimed prophethood falsely during the lifetime of the Prophet ﷺ. Now after the Prophet ﷺ passed away, Musaylima was still alive and he actually became more powerful after the Prophet ﷺ passed away and, and this chaos broke out in the Arabian Peninsula and the people apostated, Musaylima actually gained a lot of followers after the death of the Prophet Muhammad ﷺ. There were also some people who claimed prophethood after the passing away of the Prophet ﷺ. During the lifetime of the Prophet ﷺ, they did not claim anything, but after the passing away of the Prophet ﷺ, a number of people came out and said that we are prophets. One of them was a man named Tulayha ibn Khuwaylid al-Usdi. 
And also there was a woman who claimed prophethood. A woman who claimed that she was a prophet. A woman named Sujah bint al-Harith. So there were a number of claimants to prophethood and all of them gained a substantial following. So this was another situation that Abu Bakr had to deal with. These, these false claimants to prophethood. So now think about this. A majority of the tribes all around the Arabian Peninsula, north, south, east, west, a majority of these tribes, they apostatized from Islam. They left Islam. So these huge tribes, tribes like Ghatafan, Bani Sulaim, and other tribes, they have left Islam. So it's a huge mass apostasy all around the Arabian Peninsula. Not localized only to one region or one area, but it is all around the Arabian Peninsula. This mass apostasy hits the people. So this is a big fitna, a big trial and tribulation. And Abu Bakr is responsible for handling this situation. So you see what a heavy responsibility fell on his shoulders. And this is just in the beginning of his Khilafah. He had just become the Khalifa, just become the ruler of the Muslims and he has to deal with all of this. So this is a big test and a big trial for Abu Bakr but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows what he is doing. And it is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it was from the plan of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that Abu Bakr radiallahu an would become the leader of the Muslims after the passing away of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa This was from the tadbir and the planning of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knew that Abu Bakr radiallahu an was the only person who could handle this. No one else, not even Umar or anyone else no one was fit for this job except Abu Bakr al-Siddiq radiallahu an. So he was the man for this job and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had decreed that he would be in command during this fitna, during this situation. And alhamdulillah Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave him the tawfiq and gave him the ability to handle this situation correctly. So these apostates and we mentioned the three categories. Some who just completely rejected Islam altogether and went back to their old ways. Some who claimed with their tongue they were Muslims, but they said we will not pay zakat anymore. And some who followed the false claimants to prophethood. These were the three categories. Now the majority of the apostates, they fell into the second category. The category of those who said we are still Muslim, but we will not pay zakat. This was the majority of the apostates. They said that we are still Muslim, but we will not pay zakat. Zakat was only for Muhammad and now we're not going to pay zakat to anyone after him. Now this apostasy that reached all around the Arabian Peninsula, it caused a division of the Muslims because there were still some Muslims, some individual Muslims in different places of the Arabian Peninsula. Even though the majority of the tribes had rejected Islam and had apostatized, there were still some people, some good people, alhamdulillah, here and there, who were still Muslims. But now the Muslims, they're very divided. There's some Muslims here, some Muslims there. The tribes are not Muslim. So the Muslims had become divided and they had lost somewhat their sense of unity. So Ummul Mu'mineen Aisha radiallahu anha, she describes the situation of the Muslims during that time, during the beginning of the Khilafah of Abu Bakr when the fitna of this apostasy hit the Jazeera, hit the Arabian Peninsula, Aisha radiallahu anha says that the situation of the Muslims during that time was like the sheep, the flock of sheep on a dark rainy night 
the sheep, they're just going to go everywhere. They're not going to stay in one place. Imagine a flock of sheep in the darkness of the night and it starts to rain. They're not going to know what to do. They're going to just go here and there. So a loss of unity, basically. So this was the situation of the Muslims during the beginning of the Khilafah of Abu Bakr because of the fitna of the apostasy of the tribes of the Arabian Peninsula. So Abu Bakr he has to handle all of this. Imagine one man and he has to handle this situation, this heavy burden. So Aisha anha, she describes the burden of Abu Bakr, the burden that her father had to deal with during the beginning of his term as the Khalifa of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Aisha radiallahu anha, she says, لَقَدْ نَزَلَ بِأَبِي بَكْرْ مَا لَوْ نَزَلَ بِالْجِبَالِ الرَّاسِيَاتِ لَكَسَرَهَا The burden that came on the shoulder of Abu Bakr radiallahu it is a burden that if it came on the firm, strong mountains, it would crumble those mountains down. But Abu Bakr he had to carry this on his shoulders. And he was able to do it with the tawfiq and the help from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Imagine this, the beginning of your rule and your whole population, it's falling apart. How can a person deal with this type of situation? You can't deal with it unless you have help from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Even Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu anhu, who is known for his, his shidda, for his firmness, even Umar radiallahu anhu, during that situation, when he saw the fitna, when he saw the division, when he saw the tribulations, when he saw the difficulties, he actually said to Abu Bakr, he advised Abu Bakr, he said, Ya Khalifa Rasulillah, Oh Khalifa of the Messenger of Allah, be lenient with these people for now. These people who don't want to pay you zakat, just leave it. Let them not pay you zakat for now. We need to stabilize the population first. We need to stabilize the situation. Then we can deal with them later. But for now, they say they don't want to pay zakat. Okay, just leave them alone. Umar radiallahu anhu, he said this to Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu. And Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu was, was very unhappy that Umar was speaking to him like this. He was not happy with this advice of Umar radiallahu anhu. Zakat is wajib. How can I be lenient with them? This is... This is the obligation from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We have no right to be lenient about these things when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has obligated them. So Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu was very firm. He was very firm even with Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu And Umar radiallahu anhu, he tried, to, he tried to discuss this matter a little more with Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu. He said, Ya Khalifa Rasulillah, how can we fight these people? You want to send an army and you want to fight these people for refusing to pay zakat. You want to fight them. You want to actually go to war with them. How can we go to war with them? When the Prophet ﷺ himself, he said, أُمِرْتُ أَنْ أُقَاتِلَ النَّاسِ حَتَّى يَقُولُوا لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ فَمَنْ قَالَهَا فَقَدْ عَصَمَ مِنِّي مَا لَهُ وَنَفْسَهِ إِلَّا بِحَقِّهِ وَحِسَابُهُ عَلَى اللَّهِ Umar radiallahu anhu, he tried to use this hadith of the Prophet sallallahu or his understanding of this hadith of the Prophet sallallahu saying that, Ya Abu Bakr, how can we fight these people? Because the Prophet sallallahu said, I have been commanded to fight the people until they say, La ilaha illallah. Until they say, La ilaha illallah. And whoever says, La ilaha illallah, then these people, they will have safety for their money, their wealth, and they will have safety for their souls. 
meaning their wealth is protected and their lives are protected if they say la ilaha illallah their wealth and their lives are protected illa bihaqqi except for a situation where it is where it is obligatory to fight them except if they do something which deserves for them to be punished for so generally if someone says la ilaha illallah then they are safe but if they commit a crime that deserves punishment then they will be punished for that so there is an exception there is an exception illa bihaqqi wa hisabuhu ala allah and this person, person's accountability will be to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so this is the hadith that umar radiallahu an presented to abu bakr how can we fight these people they say la ilaha illallah they say they're not going to pay zakat but they say la ilaha illallah and abu bakr radiallahu an he said, didn't Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam say, إِلَّا بِحَقِّهِ فَقَدْ عَصَمَ مِنِّي مَالَهُ وَنَفْسَهُ إِلَّا بِحَقِّهِ That yes, his wealth is protected and his life is protected, except, except, if he does something that deserves punishment. So denying to pay zakat, this means that you are not fulfilling the conditions of La ilaha illallah. You say La ilaha illallah with your tongue, but you don't really mean it with your heart because if you meant la ilaha illallah with your heart then you would not deny the commandment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to pay zakat so it is obligatory to fight these people they may say la ilaha illallah with their tongue but they are not fulfilling the conditions they're not fulfilling the haqq of la ilaha illallah so they deserve to be fought Abu Bakr had the right understanding and he said to Umar wallahi لَأُقَاتِلَنَّ مَنْ فَرَّقَ بَيْنَ الصَّلَاةِ وَالزَّكَاةِ فَإِنَّ الزَّكَاةَ حَقُّ الْمَالِ وَاللَّهِ لَوْ مَنَعُونِي عِقَالًا لَوْ مَنَعُونِي عِقَالًا كَانُوا يُؤَدُّونَهُ إِلَى رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ لَقَاتَلْتُهُمْ عَلَى مَنْعِهِ Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, he said, Wallahi, I will fight whoever differentiates between salah and zakah. Just like salah is wajib, zakat is also wajib. And zakat is the right of the people. It is the right of the fuqara and the masakin. And it is the responsibility of everyone who is able to pay it, to pay it on his wealth. And whoever does not pay it, they are disobeying and going against the command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then he said, Wallahi, law mana'uni iqalan. Even if they don't give me one small rope that they used to give to the Prophet ﷺ in zakat. A small amount. Even if they hold back a little bit of the zakat from me. A tiny amount of the zakat. Even if they hold that back from me. Then I will fight them for that. I will fight them over that. They have to pay it in full. So Abu Bakr you see his steadfastness and you see his firmness. Umar he tried to say to Abu Bakr, Ya Abu Bakr, for now we need to be lenient. The situation is very unstable right now. We can't take too much on right now. We need to stabilize our situation first, then we can see how to deal with these people. But for now we need to be lenient with them, Ya Abu Bakr, Ya Khalifa Rasulillah. And Abu Bakr, he got angry with Umar. He said, Ya Umar, Rajautu Nasrak, Rajautu Nasrak, Wajitani Bihidlanik. He said, Ya, Ya Umar, I took you as my advisor and my close confidant and I hoped that you would support me and help me but instead you're going against me and you're abandoning me 
He was very angry with Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu And he said, That you were very strong and firm in jahiliyyah, but now in Islam you became very timid like this. What happened to you, ya Umar? So imagine Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu talking to Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu anhu like this. You were so strong and mighty in Jahiliyyah and now you became so timid and weak in Islam. Can you imagine anyone else talking to Umar ibn al-Khattab like this? Ever? But Abu Bakr radiallahu spoke to Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu like this. It just shows the firmness and the steadfastness of Abu Bakr as-Siddiq radiallahu and that he was actually the right person for this mawqif. He was the right person to be in charge of this situation. And he was the only one who could be in charge of this situation. Radiallahu anhu wa Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, he continued to explain to Umar, Ya Umar, the wahi, the revelation, it has stopped. With the passing away of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa there is no more revelation that comes. And this deen is complete. This deen is complete and zakat is part of this deen. And if I am lenient regarding this affair and I let them go without paying zakat, then what's going to happen? What is going to happen in future generations? They will say that during the Khilafah of Abu Bakr, he allowed people not to pay zakat. And people will not pay zakat in future generations. It will change Islam. If I am lenient in this situation, the religion of Islam that reaches future generations, it will be deficient because of my leniency. People will think that they don't have to pay zakat because Abu Bakr didn't mind when the people didn't pay zakat. He accepted them not paying zakat. I will not be responsible for changing the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That is not going to happen under my watch. This deen is complete and Allah has promised that he will keep this deen complete and I am going to do whatever I can to make sure that this deen does not get changed. Under my watch, it will, it will stay complete. So Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu explained this to Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu and he said, Wallahi, even if everyone abandoned me, if everyone says, no, we should be lenient with them and we should let this go. If everyone abandoned me, then I will fight these people myself individually. And Umar radiallahu anhu said, who will you fight them with? How are you going to fight all of them? He said, I will just fight them myself. I will go one against all of them until my neck is cut off because I will not allow the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to be shortchanged while I am still alive. It will not happen under my watch. So this was the strength and the steadfastness of, of, of Abu Bakr as-Siddiq radiallahu And when he explained all of this to Umar radiallahu Umar, he began to see the truth. And he realized that wallahi the haqq is with Abu Bakr. I am wrong. And Abu Bakr is right. We need to remain firm and steadfast and we cannot compromise with these deniers of zakat at all. We cannot compromise with them. Umar radiallahu an, he, he, he saw the truth and he realized that Abu Bakr as-Siddiq radiallahu an was correct. And then he came to the side of Abu Bakr radiallahu an. So you see here, and the ulama have said that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he saved Islam. He saved the deen of Islam through Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu with this mawqif. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has said that he will, he will protect this deen. Inna nahnu nazzalna dhikra wa inna lahu Allah has taken this responsibility upon himself. 
He said, surely we have revealed this reminder. We have sent down this reminder and surely we will protect it. Allah has promised that he will protect this deen. It will remain protected. But Allah, when he wants to honor someone, he will use these people to protect the religion. Allah will protect the religion for sure. But if he wants to honor a person, he will use that person to protect the religion. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala used Abu Bakr radiallahu to protect the religion in this situation. So Allah saved the religion of Islam through Abu Bakr as-Siddiq radiallahu Alright. Now as we mentioned, after Abu Bakr radiallahu sent Usama with his army to fight against the Byzantines in Sham. Medina, now it was left without an army. Medina is left without an army. So during this time, while Usama and his army were gone, and Medina was left without an army, a delegation from the tribes of Abs and Zabian, the tribes of Abs and Zabian, they were from those who said that we're not going to pay zakat anymore. So a delegation from these tribes, they came to Medina to meet with Abu Bakr and they said to him, we don't want to pay zakat anymore. They actually came to Medina to tell Abu Bakr that we're not going to pay zakat anymore. And Abu Bakr, of course, he refused. He said, no, you have to pay zakat. We will send our people and we will collect the zakat whether you like it or not. So he was firm with that. They tried to negotiate with him, but Abu Bakr said, this is not open for negotiation. This is a command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There is no negotiation in this matter. So Abs and Zabiyan, this delegation from these tribes, they had to leave. But while they were in Medina, they noticed that there's no army here. That Medina doesn't have an army. So they left Medina thinking that this is our chance. We can attack Medina. We can go back, tell our people that Medina doesn't have an army, bring back our, our army, and we can attack Medina. But Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu was very intelligent and he was a step ahead of them. He knew that when they came to Medina, that they would realize that there is no army in Medina. And he knew exactly what they were going to do. That they're going to go back to their people, inform them that there's no army, and then bring an army to attack Medina. Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, he was experienced in these matters. He knew that this was the thought process that was going on with these people. So as soon as they left Medina, Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, he gathered the companions that he had with him in Medina. Ali and Az-Zubair and the rest of the kibar of Sahaba, Abdullah bin Mas'ud, he gathered them together. And he said that this, these tribes, they came in asking to be pardoned from zakat. I refused their request. Now they have left Medina, but they're probably going to come back with an army because they must have realized that there is no army in Medina. And they think that this is their chance to attack Medina. So he informed the people of Medina that this is probably going to happen. We have to prepare ourselves. We have to be ready for an attack. They may come in the night or they may come in the day but the earliest that they can go and prepare and come is three days they will not be able to come earlier than three days because to go back and to inform their people and to prepare an army and to come back to Medina it will take at least three days so Abu Bakr al-Siddiq radiallahu anhu told the people of Medina prepare 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 whoever we have they didn't have many people but whoever they had they said let's prepare a small army and we will be ready to face these people so a few days later, the news came that yes, exactly as Abu Bakr radiallahu had suspected, that Abs and Zabian had told their people that Medina doesn't have an army. They prepared an army and they were coming towards Medina. Now they were just about one day away from Medina. They were coming towards Medina, the army, and they were just about one day away when Abu Bakr radiallahu he sent some spies out to, to look at the situation and they came back and they told him yes, 
they're there with their army they're about a distance of one day away from Medina so Abu Bakr who had prepared a small army in Medina he said before they come and attack Medina we will go and surprise them at their camp they're still one day away we will go and we will meet them we will surprise them they will not be expecting this so Abu Bakr and his small army that he had prepared they left Medina and they went towards the camp of the army of Abs and Zabian that was just about a day away now as they were leaving Medina Ali ibn Abi Talib he said to Abu Bakr as-Siddiq he said Ya Khalifata Rasulillah you stay here in Medina you don't come out with us we will take care of this we will go and we'll take care of this but you stay here in Medina because if anything happens to you you are the Khalifa of Rasulullah. You are the leader of this Ummah. If anything happens to you, then that's going to be a big problem. So, so Ya Khalifa Rasulullah, you stay here. So look at the love that Ali radiallahu an had for Abu Bakr radiallahu an. You know, there are some people from different sects who will like to make you think that Ali and Abu Bakr were always fighting and they had problems and this and that. No, not at all. They had love and respect and honor towards one another. Ali radiallahu an, he said, Ya Khalifa Rasulullah, you stay here in Medina. Because we can't have anything happen to you. You need to be here safe to command and to, to control. But Abu Bakr as-Siddiq radiallahu anhu, he said, Wallahi, ya Ali, I will go. I will go with you. He didn't want to stay in Medina. And he went out actually himself with the rest of the army. So Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu and his forces, they launched a surprise attack on the army of Abs and Zabian. And these, this army of Abs and Zabian, they were caught off guard. They had no idea that this was going to happen. They weren't expecting this at all. They thought there's no army in Medina, so how are they going to attack them? So they were caught off guard completely and they ran away. They retreated to the mountains. And when they retreated to the mountains and the other tribes of the Arabian Peninsula came to know of what happened, they said, okay, we better not attack Medina. Other tribes may have been thinking the same thing, that we will attack Medina. But after they saw what happened to Abs and Zabian, even though Medina didn't actually have an army at that time, still they were able to cause these, the army of Abs and Zabian to retreat. The other tribes of the peninsula, they said, okay man, we better not mess with the Muslims. We better not go to Medina. We better not attack Medina. So Alhamdulillah, Medina remained safe. So eventually now, the army of Usama, they came back with victory, alhamdulillah. They were victorious against the Byzantines that they had fought in Sham. And they came back with the big ghanima. They came back with big spoils of war. So now they're back in Medina. Usama and the big army, the full army of Medina, alhamdulillah, they are back in Medina. And as soon as they came back, Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, he got to work. There's a lot of work to do. All around the Arabian Peninsula, there is danger. There are apostates all over the place. And Abu Bakr realized that he needs to send an army or he needs to divide the army into several contingents and send them to different parts of the Arabian Peninsula to fight against these apostates. He needs to take care of this situation urgently. So as soon as the army of Usama came back, Abu Bakr he prepared multiple contingents for multiple expeditions all over the Arabian Peninsula to fight against the apostates. And these expeditions, these multiple armies that Abu Bakr sent all around the Arabian Peninsula, these wars are known as the Hurub al-Ridda. Hurub al-Ridda. The wars against the apostates. Now, around this time, 
there was a man from the Tabi'een. His name was Abu Raja Al-Utaridi Al-Basri. Imran ibn Malhan. He actually lived during the time of the Prophet ﷺ, but he never got a chance to see the Prophet ﷺ. He came to Medina after the passing away of the Prophet ﷺ. So he is not counted as from the Sahaba, but he is from the Tabi'een. So he came into Medina around this time. And he saw the companions of the Prophet ﷺ gathered, and he saw a man kissing another man on his head. He saw one man kissing another man on his head. And he said, the man who kissed the other man on his head, he said, Ana thumma anta lahalakna. He saw two men, one man kissing the head of another man. And as he kissed his head, he said, I am your ransom. I am your ransom. If it were not for Allah and then you, we would have been destroyed. And he kissed his head. So Abu Raja al-Utaridi, he asked the people, who is this man who is kissing the head of this other man? Who are these two men? Who is the one who is kissing and who is the one who is being kissed? So they said to him, the one who is kissing the head of the other man, the one who is kissing, that is Umar ibn al-Khattab. And the one whose head is being kissed is Abu Bakr al-Siddiq radiallahu anhu. So Umar radiallahu anhu, he kissed the head of Abu Bakr and he said, I am your ransom, Ya Abu Bakr. And if it weren't for Allah and then you, then we would have been destroyed. You made the right decision, Ya Abu Bakr. So Umar radiallahu anhu, he understood, he understood the situation now. So Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu, as, as we mentioned, he prepared multiple contingents of the army to go to the different parts of the Arabian Peninsula and to fight against the apostates. The first army that he sent was an army under the command of Khalid ibn al-Walid radiallahu anhu. And this was to fight Tulayha ibn Khuwaylid al-Usdi. This was one of the false claimants to prophethood. And he had gained a big following after the passing away of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And some of the followers of this false claimant to prophethood included members from the tribes of Tay and also the tribe of Ghatafan. So many of the members of these tribes, they followed this false claimant to prophethood, Tulayha ibn Khuwaylid al-Usdi. So Abu Bakr sent an army under the command of Khalid ibn al-Walid to fight against Tulayha and his people. And from the instructions that he gave to Khalid ibn al-Walid, that after you finish with Tulayha, after you finish fighting Tulayha, then go to Butah, which was an area nearby there that also had apostates, go to Butah and fight against Malik ibn Nuwayra. He was another one of the apostates and he had, a, he had a number of people with him as well. So he said, fight Tulayha. When you finish with Tulayha, go to Malik ibn Nuwayra and fight him as well. He prepared a second army as well under the command of Ikrimah ibn Abi Jahl. Ikrimah, the son of Abu Jahl, who had become a Muslim, alhamdulillah, before the Prophet ﷺ passed away. So Abu Bakr made a, a group, a contingent of the army, and he put Ikrimah in charge. And he said to Ikrimah, you go with your army to Yamama to fight against Musaylimah al-Kazzab, the false claimant to prophethood. He said, you go towards al-Yamama, but wait, don't start fighting until I send you support. Because Musaylimah, he had amassed 
a huge following. And it was said that his army reached 100,000 people. His tribe, Banu Hanifa, was a very big tribe in Yamama. And it is said that his army reached 100,000 people. So when Abu Bakr sent Ikrimah and his army to go fight Musaylimah, he said, go there, prepare and be ready to fight Musaylimah. But wait, before you start fighting, I will send you support. I will send you support. So don't start fighting until your support comes. So this was the instruction to Ikrimah. Then Abu Bakr also prepared a third army. And this third army was under the command of Shurahbil ibn Hasana. And this army was sent to go and support Ikrimah against Musaylimah. So that's the third army. He also sent and prepared a fourth army under the command of Al-Muhajir ibn Abi Umayyah to Yemen to fight against anyone who was still following the religion of the false claimant to prophethood, Al-Aswad Al-Unsi. Al-Aswad Al-Unsi, he was dead. He had already died, but he still had some followers in Yemen. So Abu Bakr sent an army with Al-Muhajir ibn Abi Umayyah as the commander to go and fight against these people in Yemen. And then when he finishes with these people to go to Kinda to fight the apostates in Kinda. He prepared another army under Hudayfa ibn Muhsin to go and fight the apostates of Uman. He prepared another army under Arfaja ibn Harthama to Hadramaut to fight the apostates there. He prepared another army under Suwayd ibn Muqarrin to Tihama to fight against the apostates over there. He sent another army under the command of Ala ibn al-Hadrami to Bahrain to fight the apostates there. He sent an army under Turayfa ibn Hajir to Bani Sulaim to fight the apostates in that tribe. He sent an army under Amr ibn al-As to fight the apostates in Qudaa. He sent an army under the command of Khalid ibn Sa'id ibn al-As to Asham to fight the apostates there. So look at this. Multiple armies under multiple commanders to different parts of the Arabian Peninsula. North, south, east, west, all over the place. He's sending different armies. He sent 11 armies. Abu Bakr al-Siddiq prepared and sent 11 armies to the different parts of the Arabian Peninsula to control this fitna and to finish this trial of apostasy. To finish the apostates and to bring the people back under Islam. Alhamdulillah. So this was the firmness and the steadfastness of Abu Bakr as-Siddiq And these were the armies that he sent to the different parts of the Arabian Peninsula. Eleven armies, alhamdulillah, to protect the religion of Allah in the Arabian Peninsula. And inshallah, next week we will go into some detail about these armies and the battles that they fought. We'll speak about that next week in the next lesson bi-ithnillah. Wallahu alam wa sallallahu wa sallam wa baraka ala nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in.